Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Welcome into 2017. Hope your year is off to a strong start and step. Uh, I, I could go back and redo this, but I'm not. We're leaving all this in. Hey, we got a great guest for you today. Before we get to that, let me remind you, we have a new resource, a new guide we put together called Seven Proven Steps to Finding and Booking Paid Speaking Engagements. Again, that's Seven Proven Steps to Finding and Booking Paid Speaking Engagements. Would love for you to check it out. You can stop by thespeakerlab.com slash guide. Again, that's thespeakerlab.com slash guide to download that free guide. Check it out. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash guide. All right, so today we are talking with my friend Chantel Adams, and Chantel has been, uh, she is a booking machine. She actually did 800, 800 speaking engagements in five years, which if you're doing the math at home, uh, that's like 150, 160 events a year. That's a lot of speaking engagements. So we talked through how she actually did that. We talked through how she maximized every booking. She got clients to hire her multiple times. We also talked through how she provides a, a wow experience for every client. That's one of the things you'll, you'll hear us talk about from time to time is Speaking is so much more than what happens on stage, but it is the the type of experience that you provide for customers. So uh, we talk about that. We also talk about how she balances work and life. I mean, if, if she's doing 800 speaking engagements in five years, the nature of that is she's gone a lot. She's away from her family. She's married. She has three kids. So we kind of talk about how she navigated that as well. So uh, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with my friend Chantel Adams. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hey, today I'm joined by my friend Chantel Adams, who is a, uh, a speaker and entrepreneur and all around great gal and excited to have her hanging out with us today. So, Miss Chantel, how are you today? I'm doing amazing and excited to be here with you today. Good to hang out with you. So let's get right into it. I know that you do a lot of speaking. So why don't you give us kind of the, the nutshell of how speaking fits into your business? What does your business kind of look like? For sure. So I started in the education corporate market, speaking professionally for about five years, and I delivered about 800 speeches in that time. So about an average of 175 paid gigs a year started to kind of feel like I got to cut you off. That's an insane pace. <laughs> like that's not even that's not even remotely sustainable. Like how are how are you still functioning? That, uh, that was it. That was it. I got to that point of like, you know what? I'm kind of getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> I need to kind of leverage my time. And I did a lot of local speaking as well. Okay. So I didn't have a ton of travel, which is awesome. And we can totally dive into how I actually got booked that many times without this crazy travel schedule. Because I'm a mom to four to th three amazing boys. Well, I said four because I got my hubby too, but <laughs> he counts as one of those boys. So yes. And then now what I do is really, it's, it's shifted completely because now I'm in the entrepreneurial space. It's a very different market. It's a very different approach 
approach, yet some of the same, obviously, skills for speaking and getting booked apply. But there is a different approach to more of that storytelling feel, which I know we'll dive into as well. And it's definitely been my main source of revenue, of marketing, and really has put me at that kind of go-to expert status that I wouldn't have had without that platform. And so it really has elevated that brand. And now I'm able to help others to really find their story, have the courage to share it and get out there and speak. What were you doing pre-speaking days? I was actually working in the schools and I was working with special needs kids. And I had done many different you know, ventures. So I had done personal training, which I realized that I didn't actually really like working out that much. So that kind of went by the way. So I've done a lot of different entrepreneurial gigs, always loved that. And it was actually sitting in assemblies in school where I would go, either they're coming in with this great message, but they're boring as heck and the kids are totally disinterested or they're coming in and they're absolutely entertaining, but they have no core message. And so that's where the light bulb went off for me where I could totally do this and I could do it better. So that's what I did. So were you (laughs) speaking primarily to elementary or what, like what age group and education space were you speaking to? Yeah. So I did mostly actually in elementary, which I thought I would do way more high school and student leadership. And I loved that age group as well. But of course there's 10, 20 times more elementary school. So there's way more opportunity and not a lot of people capitalizing in that market. And so I went for it, went for it there. And then I did a lot of different avenues, the parenting conferences, the, the executive leadership conferences, student leadership conferences, parenting, teacher development. So all of that kind of umbrella under education. So there was a lot of different types of speaking under that one big umbrella, but I did focus in on getting a lot of repeat opportunities in that elementary school market. I'm curious about the elementary. Is that, did you find that, I'm curious like what budgets were like for that space? Because I've done a lot in the education space, primarily with high schools and colleges. I mean, elementary was never appealing to me just because I I like my kids. I don't want to talk to a bunch of other, you know, five, six, seven, eight year olds. So I'm curious, like what was the the market and the budgets like? Because you're right that there are a crap ton of elementary schools. So what were budgets like in that market? For sure. So in Canada, I find that it is lower price point. And so I was getting between 500 and 1000 for a speaking opportunity. But what I wanted to, to tell you a little bit more about too, is that I would get repeat business. So I would go in and I would create a package. So I wouldn't just be nailing one school, <laughs> one time, one speaking gig. I would be offering them, I'm going to come back the six main months out of the year and I'm going to do a new topic for that school. But then I would do 20 schools, all that same topic, you know, six months out of that year. And so really I'm just creating six kind of trainings right. and going back to that same school because I find if you can package your speaking and that can be for corporate, it can be for a lot of different avenues, but if you can package your speaking, it's as easy to get one yes for one speaking gig as it is to get six. And sometimes I actually came back 12 times. So it was that whole getting into that market learning how to package it so that you could see. And I would, I would tap in, I would do my research, which is something everybody's got to do. Tap in, do my research. I would know their core values, what they care about, what they're working on in that district. And then I would go with that in mind. And these are the topics I'm going to teach on. 
So really getting clear on what they care about, whether it's corporate, whether it's education, whether it's a conference or event, doing that research and then making it really appealing. Even in the corporate market, I've helped lots of people to be able to package it where they're doing something for the managers, they're doing something for the executives, but they're also doing something for the core employees, right? The different levels and packaging it up so that they're coming back repeat times rather than just once, especially in the local market. So it sounds like your your whole business model was was less of these, you know, one-off gigs that so many speakers do and just from one place to the next to the next to the next. But if you're doing, let's say, 800 gigs over the course of, of five years that maybe you were only working with, what, 200 clients, but you were doing oh. so many repeat things, not in the course of like a couple of years, but in, the, in one year, you might go to the same place multiple times. So that is that the exactly. nutshell? Exactly. And another really key thing that, that I didn't even know this online world existed. So when I was in this professional speaking market, I was growing my list. I didn't know why. I just knew I wanted to stay in touch with these people. I was, you know, doing these things every time I would speak. But I also, when I went into the school market, I thought I'm not going to just go speak. I'm going to give them teacher lesson plan manuals, like ideas that they can do in the classroom after my speech. I'm going to do like a parent letter. I'm going to do posters. I'm going to do. So I did all of this as a bundle. So I talk about packaging your speaking, but you can also package your expertise, right? And so if you're in the entrepreneurial space or in the corporate space, can you create a product or a program or can you give a higher level, maybe even doing like a lunch and learn template for when you leave that the managers or executives can actually deliver over time to get better results and to go deeper with your material. So say you're there for an hour or even a whole day, but imagine the value that could bring to that, that organization, that business, that school, if after you left, there was still someone carrying on that work and that message going deeper. So that's something I did that was unlike what anyone else was doing in the market which then word of mouth spread. And I ended up not even having to do any outreach. People just came to me. So after that first year, word of mouth spread, and it's what I call the snowball effect happened, where people were giving me a call and I was booked solid for that whole year. So I knew exactly what I was making, where I was going a year out instead of that mentality. I remember I took a speaking training program one time when I was just starting out and they said, you're going to have to do a hundred cold emails a day to even get one response, not a booking, but a response. And I went, there's no way, there is no way. (laughs) I knew there had to be a better way. And that's where I dove into, I'm going to build relationships with people. I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to see where are those connections? How can I get that foot in the door? And then I'm going to package up my expertise, package up you know, speaking packages and then totally over deliver on value and go that extra mile, rock that stage and then word of mouth and the snowball effect will kick in. All right. I got a couple questions related to that. So were you just, if you were going back to a school or an organization multiple times, you kind of alluded to it that did you just have to create a ton of content? Because I know most speakers, they may just have, you know, two, three talks that they do. So the reality is like you quickly run out of material if you're just doing that. But it sounds like in your case, you had to have a lot of new material that you were generating on a, on a pretty regular basis. Yes. And so that's where the leverage came in though, because then I was doing, I was doing a new, you know, speech each every other month or whatever it was, but I also got super, super good at like the framework where I could just sit down and in 20 minutes, 
And I never teach people to like memorize their speech or anything like that. It's all about let's get the main ideas, let's get the activities, the stories, the attention grabbers, the things that we're going to do, outline that. And so I could do that in like 20 minutes flat and then I just go do it. And sometimes I'd be like, whoa, that did not work. And so for the next one, I could, I could tweak and adjust. And then by the fifth, sixth one, it was like, okay, this is perfect. I knew exactly what I was doing. I just went in made it happen. You know, in the market that I was in, it was even more so because you take five-year-olds to 12-year-olds and you put them, you know, a thousand of them in a room, you have to be switching up your, you know, your content, right. your stories. Your Herding things every, cats. Yeah. Every three to five minutes. So if you're in a different market, it can be even simpler, right? Where you're not taking a huge amount of time. And that's something that I think is so valuable is that you know what you want to speak about. You know what you're speaking about. You know that it's a part of you. It's a part of your life. And so when you can bring that out and just show up and shine and do your thing, it does take time to get to that comfort level of being able to just, I have these main points and I'm going to go for it. But it really is where you can connect with your audience on such a deeper level and have even better results than if you're like way overprepared. It seems like this works really well when you are working with a specific type of client, meaning that I know when I was doing a lot of speaking, I was doing it primarily in the conference world and in the conference space, they want new speakers every year. So even if you're great, it wouldn't be like, hey, even if you have a new talk that you could do next year, we may not bring you in for you know three, four, five years just because they want di- different speakers in there. They want the audience to turn over a little bit. So it sounds like this would work well in a like a corporate environment or in a, a school environment where there's not necessarily a, a need per se to bring in a new speaker. They just want they just want that. There's nothing wrong necessarily, I guess, with a, a familiar face that they're used to working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So definitely in like the paid markets, in the corporate market, that kind of thing, the local market, this is where you can really capitalize on it. But even in the conference and entrepreneurial space where things have shifted, it really is also about opening up that that idea of, you know, what value can I bring? Still the same concept of building those relationships, researching, putting more into it. And you're right, the whole bundling, how many times you can speak doesn't necessarily work, but absolutely looking at what can you bring, being creative with it. What can I bring to this other than just showing up as a keynote? How can I add value? So when I am looking at speaking, I will say, you know, I'm happy to do a mastermind over lunch. I'm more than happy to gift, you know, so many people as a door prize into my program. So I'm still thinking of like, how do I make my my offer, my pitch to speak stand out from everyone else because I'm willing to add even more value to that space. So it kind of sounds like I remember one one thing I always try to say to clients is if I'm already there, I would love to help and serve however much as possible. So it sounds like for you, it's the same type of idea of if I'm going to make the the effort to go there, to travel there, that it's much more than just a, I'm going to do a talk and it's a one and done and I'm in and out. But how, if I'm I'm coming all this way, how do I really maximize our time and make sure that they are getting the, the most value there? Absolutely. And then that's more of a no brainer. And it's also, again, still in this space, people talk, right? Right. And so even though it's maybe not quite the snowball effect as like the education market or even in corporate, you have that effect where when people are hosting events and conferences, yes, they like to bring in new new speakers, but they have friends who are hosting events and conferences that, that are looking for recommendations or that are attending their events. And that's another thing. I always set the intention that I 
from every speaking gig would be getting another speaking gig, right? right? Or another opportunity. And then obviously now that I'm in the entrepreneurial space, I can give a free speaking gig and make 10 or $15,000, not even from selling from the stage, but really from connecting and being present and serving and just really delivering amazing content and value from the stage. When you were so, doing, when you were doing a lot of speaking, what, what were you doing to generate spinoff business? So it's, it's one thing to show up and just over deliver and do a great job, but was there anything that you were proactively doing to, you know, quote unquote, solicit leads from the client that you were working with? Absolutely. So when I first got in my very first opportunity to get the foot in the door, that's always the big thing for everybody. It takes some time, right, to get your foot in the door into whatever kind of organization or, or group that you're you're heading into. But when I zeroed in, really did my research, built some relationship and connections and was able to get my foot in the door with that very first school that's when I really set it up almost as a, like a mentoring. I really went in with this open attitude of what can I do to serve you? How can I show up? What would be a no brainer for me to come in and do for your, your community, your school? And so she had given me some ideas. And so she felt like she was kind of a part of that process almost. Right. And I came in with my pitch and my proposal, but she also, I was also open to communication. And I think that's something that's important too, to come in as the professional, but be willing to have a conversation with those that are hiring you as to what would make this a heck yes for them. And then from there, as soon as she was blown away, right, blown away. And then I said to her, well, you know that this was super valuable for your school. So I want you to go out. Can you share? Can you share? I just asked. And I did that with different organizations and corporations. I would ask for referrals. I would ask them to share in their networks, to share with who they knew would benefit from the same thing. And I wasn't afraid to do that because I knew the value I was bringing. Right. So that was a big one. And from her just sharing that spread and then each time that would just spread and spread and spread. And it was great. So that's a huge thing. Also gratitude. I think that really, really being grateful to people for that opportunity. And no matter how many times I spoke or how much I was getting paid or, you know, you kind of get in, you can get into that kind of ego mindset. I know as you, as you get more and more successful as a speaker, always coming back and being grounded and knowing how grateful I am to be able to have this opportunity and really expressing that in unique ways, you know, handwritten cards and gifts and, and at Christmas time, even if you're not speaking at that time, being able to be top of mind and to show gratitude and kind of go that extra mile is huge. So for anywhere, conferences or corporate or, or education, wherever you're speaking, those people that brought you in, they took a risk on you. Right. They, they were betting on you. They put their faith in you. And so going that extra mile keeps you top of mind, shows your gratitude and, and really has them going, wow, you know, I want to share this person with those I know. No, I think you make a great point there that oftentimes there's this misconception for speakers that speaking is just what you do on stage. And really, there's so much more that goes into it of, of before, you know, when you get hired, it may be months and months and months before you actually show up and do the gig. So what happens just in that process of providing a great customer service experience, but before, during and after the event? So it may be the type of thing where an analogy I like to use is like if you go to a restaurant and the food's amazing and it's the best food you've ever had, but the service sucks, it's going right. to it's, it ruins the whole experience for you. And so really, you have to be able to, yes, deliver on stage, but you also have 
have to be able to deliver offstage in terms of just like who you are as a human and just being good to work with. And remember that if they're bringing you in, that you're right, they're totally taking a risk on you and that there are oftentimes a lot of other moving pieces that they are they are trying to deal with. Absolutely. And as you were saying that, another thing that came to mind that I always try to do is make it as easy as possible on those people who are bringing me in to speak. So, you know, no crazy demands. I only want green M&Ms or, you know, like what, you know, those celebrity kind of speakers, but, and also just being super prepared, knowing ahead of time what they will need from you and, and offering that before they even have to ask or just showing up, you know, super prepared, having your backups, having your things, being able to, a lot of times I just jump in and start making things happen. Noticing again, yes, like you had mentioned before, how can I support them as well? Right. And so really making it easy for them is going to be huge. Right. I'm curious on the financial side of it, because if an organization or group is just, let's just say that they're looking for just one talk, they're just looking for a speaker for one particular conference or event or assembly or whatever it may be. And you come in and you're saying, yes, I can do that. But hey, what if I came, you know, multiple other times throughout the course of the year? Well, now it's gone from, you know, we have this budget to bring in a speaker to do one talk to you're proposing that they, that you come in and do, you know, four or five, six talks over the course of a year. What kind of push back do you get on the budget? I, I would assume that most people are like that. What you're proposing sounds great. We have the budget for you to speak once. So how did you kind of navigate that? Yeah. So in the education market, it was actually, again, because I positioned it so well and because I packaged it so well to align, like I had done my research. So it aligned with their vision, their mission, exactly what they were wanting to achieve. Right. And so me coming in there and and taking it to that next level and offering those things, then it was like, yeah, for sure. I can come in once and and it'll be, it'll be a thousand dollars or I can come in. And that's what I would usually do. I do the higher price point. And then if they book multiple times, for example, if they did it, you know, $500 then, and I like to get out my calculator to make sure, cause it's been a while since I've done this one. So I'm like, yeah, I can't remember exactly how much that would work out. Yes. So if I did it, you know, $500, that's $3,000, right? Mm-hmm. Six times coming over the six months. And I would also split it and they would agree to it where I would say I can only have up to 350 students. So if you have more than that, then we need to do two back-to-back assemblies. So I just got very smart on how to position it though, as a win for them. The reason we're doing this is so that they can get a better experience so that I can tailor the message to the younger crowd and the older crowd. Right. And so I was making double and they were willing to pay it because I set it up as a win-win for them and really showed them the return on that investment and why that mattered and why it was set up. Same with the six in a row. So they were paying me $500 at a time. So they're seeing like, oh, I'm getting a discount (laughs) in their mind. I'm getting 50% off, right? So I, I would set it up as that kind of win situation. And yet over the span, they're paying me triple. Yeah. Yep. And it's not a huge amount of extra time, especially because I could stay locally and actually 80% of those would come back every year, year after year. You know, over years, I would have not only that, you know, 3,000 in an education market is, you know, unheard of. And usually it was more than that. I would raise my prices each year as well. And I knew it was valuable when they were like, okay, yeah, that's a no brainer. (laughs) And then I would raise my price and I'd kind of test the market that way as well. Go in with like what you know is a no brainer offer and, and then you can sweeten the deal for yourself each year. 
Got it. Or how often you feel. So to just kind of summarize that, so you're doing what you are making per gig may be lower, but you're making it up in volume and you're working with fewer clients um, yes. to do that. And it sounds like, and you've kind of alluded to it a couple of times that you, you were doing a lot of those local. So it wasn't like you're getting on a plane to fly halfway across the country in order to do one talk for 500 bucks like that. Exactly. Something like that and doesn't make actually, sense. I could do two or three in a day. Yeah. So even though I did 175 gigs a year, a lot of times I could do you know, 15 of those in one week. And yeah. so I'm really just working one week out of six months out of the year. It's an exhausting and, week, but you right? can do it. <laughs> it is an exhausting week. You don't want to be sick that week. I actually had one week like that where I had teachers bringing me lemon water. <laughs> I was pushing through though. But another, I wanted to share another example. So I had another client who was in say education market, but she was charging $350. She'd go in and she'd do either, you know, an assembly or sometimes she'd do a parent workshop, things like that. And then I said, why don't you package this up? And so you're going to go in, you're going to do during the day, you're going to do an assembly for, you know, she was in high school market. So you're going to do an assembly for, you know, six to nine, nine to 12. And then you're going to do a lunch and learn for the teachers. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to do a parent night. So she would be traveling a little bit more and she would do this where she'd be, you know, the full day, but she packaged it up for $3,000. And because it was in their eyes, I mean, it's an extra probably three hours of her time. And, but she went from $350 for one hour to $3,000. Right. Do you see? So she's there anyways, she's made the travel. So let's do this. Or can you get more schools involved or more businesses involved? Can we make this a community group? Can we bring more people together and raise that price and right? Get people involved in being the ones to book the gigs for you. Right. Right. So, so there's lots of ways to get creative that a lot of people aren't thinking about or doing in how do we, how do we leverage this opportunity? Well, and you had said too, that you had done, uh, you were able to do so many because a lot of these that you were doing were local. So outside of the elementary and the education side, were there any specific industries that you were focused on locally for speaking to corporations? Or if someone's, especially for someone that's getting started saying, I would prefer to speak locally, A, because maybe I'm working a full-time job and I just don't have the leeway to travel a ton or B, you know, I have a family and so I just, I I can't get away for, or I don't want to get away for long periods of time. Are there certain organizations and industries that you you would recommend focusing on to get business locally? Absolutely. So doing a couple different things, the corporate, obviously. And if you're, again, it just comes back to that research, doing your research on what are their core values? What are they working on? I mean, if you're health, you're in health and wellness, or I have, you know, someone that works with stress or play right in the workplace. And so coming back to that return on investment, what is most beneficial right? So if you come in, come in for that one speaking gig, yes, I'll get them these results. Yes. I'll get them, you know, clarity on this. I will help them with this takeaway, being super clear on what you're going to bring to the table and how that will positively affect them, relieve stress, you know, increase productivity, all those benefits that we know we need to be sharing in any kind of marketing. But then if you say, but if we take this a step further, Right. And I come back, you know, over these six weeks, here's what I can teach. Here's what I can go in depth on. And the results are going to be that much greater rather than just having me come and drop the knowledge on them. We're going to work through this and they're going to be able to implement it. And that's where the real change is going to happen. And the real results will show up. 
right? So it's it's really just about and and finding one thing that I often say is Google in your city top you know top ten or top hundred or however big your city is <laughs> companies to work for. Yeah. And when you look at those top companies, why are they the top companies? They're the top companies because they're ready to be innovative. They're ready to know that they know that their bottom line matters because it's the employees, their productivity, their happiness, their wellness. And so when we can get those companies that are a little bit more forward thinking and that are open to really looking at the personal and professional development of those that are working for them and they can see the impact that that has when they are happier and healthier and more productive on their bottom line, right? Those are the companies that you go to. Those are the companies. And even looking at even where do you have connections? So sitting down and going, who do I know in where, you know, in some of these big businesses or even small companies, but who do I know? Because small companies can be amazing because they have that more personal edge. You don't have to get through so many doors to be able to get that. Yes. So, so looking that, and then also how could you partner with someone So this is a different avenue of like kind of hosting your own event or workshop or opportunity, but partnering with local businesses. So they will bring their customers. They will put up information. Maybe they take a cut. Maybe they just promote you and see it as an amazing bonus for their customers, clients. And this could be yoga yoga studios. It could be small boutique shops. It could be whoever's serving the audience that you would love to speak to. How can we make some partnerships locally and get some people connecting with us and sharing our work that way? Awesome. Lots of great ideas there. A lot of practical, (laughs) applicable stuff there. Hey, I want to shift gears. I want to talk about this for a second. I'm I'm curious. I know you and I, we've talked a little bit before that you and you'd mentioned before you're married. You've got three boys. I'm married. I have three girls. I'm going to keep your boys away from my girls um, (laughs) and all not just your boys, but all boys. But I'm, I'm curious for you, especially as you were doing as many speaking engagements as you were, even if some of them were local, the nature of speaking is that you're you're gone. You you travel. So how are you kind of navigating and managing that of being gone so much, but also being a successful wife and being a successful mother? I'm just curious how that kind of worked out for you. For sure, I think that you know they they definitely. I got to speak at at my kids' schools. They saw what I was doing. It'd be so fun because we'd go around and people would be like, oh, "There's Chantel Adams," and I like I even had like autographs. <laughs> So I was like this little celebrity, right, locally. But then when I do go away, and I do a lot more traveling now, they're older, I do more traveling now because of I'm now in the entrepreneurial space, the conference space. And so now it's less speaking, bigger engagements and opportunities, and I do travel. So I've got about eight booked next year. And so I had to sit down with them and say, Okay, so I'm going to be gone once a month, but here's what we're going to do. Because I just spoke in LA in October and I was there and I was gone. I knew I'd be gone for the three-day conference. I wanted to be present. But what I did is let's go for five days before. And I was making great money and, and it was a great opportunity. And so let's write this off as a business expense. And I took them to Disneyland and we went for five days before the event. And then during the event, they got to go hang out at the beach And I went to my conference and I was wishing I was hanging out at the beach, but I went to my (laughs) conference. They had a blast. Um, And so there's opportunities where I love being able to speak. We're going to, I'm speaking in Paris in July 
And so we're, we're going to go, we're going to go to Europe after that engagement. And again, it's going to cover, cover my expenses and some of their expenses to be able to get there. So there's that opportunity where when you get to that, that place where I'm going to go speak here, but we get to make a vacation out of this. We get to make some family time out of this. And then times when I am just gone, making it fun, making it exciting for them, getting to have that daddy time and uh, also showing you know, to my husband, how this is supporting our family and supporting right. us financially, you know, being able to actually work out the numbers and show them even on some free gigs, here's what I plan on being able to add to our bottom line, to our income, to our lifestyle, because I'm taking this opportunity. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, I, I love that. I, we've, we've tried to do the same of just incorporating, uh, especially the travel piece. And so if I'm going somewhere, if I'm going to North Dakota, I may be on my own, but if I'm going to somewhere where there's there's a beach or some Disney something nearby, then the, the girls always want to tag along. So always being able to incorporate both of those has, has been a lot of fun. Okay, let's wrap up with this. And I didn't prep you on this. I Sometimes I prep speakers who come on this and sometimes I don't. But I'm curious, I want you to tell us about a time where it couldn't be worse than this. Okay. So as a speaker, you've done a lot of engagements. And so some go really, really well. Hopefully most of them go really well, but then there's some that don't go quite as well. So whether the audience was like something happened in the audience or the environment or the client was just a nightmare to work with. Tell us about a time where it couldn't be worse than this. Okay. So I'm actually going to be super vulnerable on this one because it was actually my own event. Does that count? Okay. Even better. <laughs> Scandalous. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I'm hosting, I hosted smaller events and, uh, but I was going for that big three day conference and you know, the low ticket to get in. And so I knew I had to make sales on the back end to really cover all the expenses. So it was a little bit of a new territory for me. And I hired this big, Big name, you know, they told me what to do and it felt off right from the get go. Cause I, I'm not like this, the, the hard sell, the like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yet I've been very successful selling from the stage without selling from the stage. So I get up there though. And I'm like, okay, I paid a lot of money to know this and they told me what to do. So I'm going to do it. And I remember the day one and day two of like all these sales tactics that were thrown into the teaching and feeling it in myself, like, okay, here we go. Totally knowing it was not authentic to me, but going forward with it anyways. And then day two, I went home and I, I seriously just, I broke down, started crying. I'm like, this is awful. This is so not how I want to show up for my people. And so day three, last day, I walk on the stage right in the morning. I told my team, I'm going to totally be open and honest that I made a huge mistake here and didn't listen to myself and, and apologize. And they're like, you shouldn't do that. You teach people how to host events and you teach people how to, you, know, you can't like admit that you failed here. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I can. So it was a super vulnerable moment. I just said, you know, I, I knew all along that I needed to do it my way and I didn't listen, um, but I'm changing that now. And I've learned my lesson. I'm grateful that it didn't take me all three days, even though it took me two days to, to change my ways. And I ended up, you know, having so many people actually sign up after I totally let go of this mentality that I had to do it a certain way and was open and vulnerable. And I just shared and invited because I knew that the work mattered. And it was just such a, a turning point for me too. And, and, and knowing, you know, anyone listening, whether you're speaking or speaking to sell or however you are, no matter what people teach you or, or share with you, you always have to come back to that 
what feels right for me and, and what feels good for me and, and how can I do it in a way that serves, you know, that highest of who I am. So, and, and you know, taps into that value. So that was my, my worst moment ever. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for yeah. the, uh, the vulnerability and, and, uh, that, yeah, that's, I think we've all had those moments and you get, you get in and you're just like, Oh crap, how do I get yeah. out of this? So, uh, <laughs> Sounds, sounds like you handled it like a champ. So very cool. Well, Chantel, thank you so much for sharing some of your, your, your time and your story with us. Hey, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, uh, where, where can we go? For sure. ChantelAdams.com is where I am. And I love connecting on Facebook as well. So you can find me there too. Awesome. We'll be sure and link up to that in the show notes. So thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chantel Adams. Good stuff there. You can check out her website over at ChantelAdams.com. C-H-A-N-T-E-L-L-E. Is that right? Yeah. ChantelAdams.com. Check that out. Hey, again, also stop by thespeakerlab.com slash guide. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash guide to pick up that new resource, we free resource we put together for you on seven proven steps to finding and booking paid speaking engagement. So definitely check that out. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 115. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.